This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Work Talk, a podcast series by The Straits Times to help you work smarter, think deeper, and get ahead in a work life. I am Chris Bu. In today's podcast, we're talking about workplace romance, or what we call a physical attraction between two members of the same organization. When you put a group of people who dress the same, talk alike, and share the same experiences into a shared space for more than half their waking hours, is it small wonder that love, lust, crushes happen, and sparks fly? But is the office the right place of fluttering hearts and flirty messages? What worries companies when employees start meeting up after six? Or, for that matter, waking up together at six? What do employers do about workplace relationships? Does it even work? Joining me today to talk about workplace romance are Mr. Yen Lim, the Head of Employment at TSMP Law Corp and Finance Planning Manager, Ms. Molly Tay. Welcome to the show, Yen. Hi, Chris. Hi, Molly. Hi, Chris. Hi, Yen. Hi. Yen, let's start with you. Many of us are aware of red lines on workplace relationships. These include not dating your boss or bosses. However, you've also highlighted how some companies have expressed code on workplace dating. How prevalent are these policies in Singapore? What kind of companies are most likely to have such policies? So Chris, I would think that, uh, or rather I would say that it's getting more prevalent. Probably these kind of policies uh, wouldn't have been seen so often in the past, but we're seeing increasingly more of it. In the past, it would probably only have been multinationals which would have these kind of policies. But now, in fact, quite a lot of companies do have them. Uh, And I would say they fall into maybe three buckets. One is the outright prohibition on all workplace relationships. One is uh, the second one is to say that um, if you get into a workplace relationship, you have to declare it. And the third one would be You have to declare it if you feel that it will cause a conflict of interest. And I've actually come across companies that fall into all three buckets. Of course, there's a fourth bucket, which is go for it. No one one minds, right? Uh, Seldom do you get companies that would take that position. What you're more likely to have is a company that doesn't have a policy at all. And in fact, then that's not so ideal because it's kind of uh, unknown as to what attitude the company has towards this kind of thing. And what happens when you do find yourself in that position? What are you supposed to do? Yen, we all know someone or we ourselves have dated people from the workplace or the same industry. How effective are such policies? If you can't stop love, even in the office, why do companies even bother? So answering the first question first as to how effective these policies are, I would say that the companies that have an outright prohibition on relationships um, It may not always be effective because people ultimately spend a lot of their time in the office for better or worse, and uh, almost invariably uh, romance can arise, right? So um, uh, the advantage of companies having outright prohibition, I suppose, is that it's very simple, right? You just can't do it at all. You don't get any kind of gray areas as to whether there's conflict of interest or not. The downside, of course, is that you have people trying to hide it or you have people, you lose talent. You have people who might leave uh, because they do fall in love, you know, uh, and do enter into a stable, steady relationship. And then there's no choice. Um, So, but they can be quite effective. And the declaration, uh, the companies that require declaration, um, it's quite often observed, actually. 
uh, especially if the people are not in a direct reporting relationship and they feel confident that there's uh, no particular reason why the company uh, would prohibit the relationship. Um, and so if love is unstoppable, which it often is, uh, also for better or worse, um, let's, let's call it better. Uh, companies have these policies, to be honest, uh, mostly to prevent conflict of interest situations from arising. Right. You mentioned earlier, Chris, about how uh, you can have, uh, in the past, uh, bosses and subordinates getting into relationships. These are obviously no-nos because that is a very obvious situation of a conflict of interest and you would want to avoid that. Uh, e and even if both parties are very you know, uh, discretionary, both parties um, you know, conduct themselves with ultimate decorum so that there's no awkward situations and there's no actual conflict that arises, your uh, perceptions are also important, you know, and then you will have people, other people in the company always wondering, was there some kind of favoritism going on even when there wasn't? So companies would always want to avoid these situations. I'm going to try to disprove your observation with an exceptional half of an exceptional couple that have been very successful working together in the same company. So Molly, hello. Hi, hi, Chris. You're an example of being part of a very successful workplace couple. Tell us how you came about working with your husband in the past year. I won't call it a success. I think it's still uh, in the pipeline. We are always adjusting as well. Uh, so to answer your question, um, you know, how did my husband uh, came in to join me in this career? So a bit of background of him. Um, so he left his project-based job. Uh, that's during the COVID-19 well, you know, we all went through that whole phase where, you know, job markets start to tighten. And of course, it also affected him because, you know, um, as your qualification goes higher, so does your pay and expectation goes higher. And when he, his contract ended, you know, um, he was told that, you know, he was overqualified for the new role. Uh, his pay has to cut. And I think that's when he finally took my so-called offer, you know, to come on board to join me in, in this industry. Of course, I've asked him a couple of times. I count, you know, the per hour rate he's being paid as the number of companies and countries he has to oversee. So he starts at 8 a.m. Sometimes he makes a call over Zoom till like 1 a.m. So I calculated the cost, you know, of paid being given by his company. And I told him he's Definitely underpaid. Okay, and then that's how after uh, a good discussion, I think he decided to come about the industry. So, you know, you and your husband are a part of a manager subordinate team. So when he decided to join you, what went through your mind and his? Of course, we, I did ask him, are you comfortable having a female superior, you know, uh, leading you? I think that's important because I'm a manager. And he's gonna join me as my team member. So me, I I brought this all this question to him even before we talk about coming on board the career. And I say that even if you feel not comfortable and you do not want to, then it's okay. You know, we will stop here. But you know, he he assured me that he has worked with um, a couple of female supervisors. He that also led the team, uh, so he wasn't too concerned about it. Um, the only thing that I had to help him to adjust is because I'm in a 
frontline facing role, which means the attire is important. Uh, you got to face customer, you got to put on a business suit, you got to put on a tie, um, you got to no more polo tees, no more uh, working from home, you'll be coming to office. So, you know, these are some things that I asked him, was he comfortable to do a total wardrobe switch, which I'm in charge for doing that. And I think after going through those discussions, he said he's ready, ready to come on board. And I think I support him in that decision. What did your boss say when you wanted to recruit your husband? Um, I think one of the good things, because I've been in this industry for 16 years, going 17 years. So um, in all those um, events um, that I am in with my company, I try to get my husband to be involved, you know, in all these book events. So technically, my, my boss, you know, and some of the seniors in the team somehow has already known who my husband is, you know, which is um, habit. So they drink with him, they have fun with him, they have their eating session. So when I mentioned this to my boss, I think his, he has known his character. Uh, he has known how he, he is like in events. So I think the only concern my boss had was um, the husband and wife relationship would interfere with the KPI that was set forth, uh, especially me as a manager, the discipline and the standards you know, that I had to uphold for the rest of the team members. Of course, most importantly, he did not want to um, allow any of the associates to say that, you know, because he's my husband, I'm treating him differently, you know, in a sense, giving him more extra perks, in a sense. Uh, and more importantly, um, as my husband, you know, Hamin did not want our personal relationship to suffer because of work. The last thing he wants is to have our marriage turn sour as a result of conflicts in the work, or especially we choose career over our relationship. I think that's the last thing that he wants. I just have one more question for you. How has working together impact your marriage? My boss uh, and a team actually welcome him like any other new member, you know, and we try to keep our work very uh, professional. To a point that, you know, uh, when there's a new member come on board, uh, they didn't know that we are husband and wife until uh, one of the company's birthday event. And they realized that we are a couple. So they asked me, oh, you're married to Habin? Habin is your husband? I said, yes, uh, we don't hide it, but we don't properly proclaim it as we walk into the room or into the office holding hands and hugging each other. We keep it strictly just work. So we don't show any affection in work. And if he does something that's not up to the KPI, he gets a earful from me as well. So I made it a point not to make sure that I don't um, purposely take care of him. I know I have to draw that line very clear when I'm in office. Has working together made your marriage better? Definitely it has. Um, he now understands when I get a late call from one of my customers asking me to get help for certain claims or they want to know about the investment portfolios, uh, especially when the market is you know, downturn. They do have concerns, you know, and they brought me a call maybe at 11 p.m. or at 10 p.m. to have a chat with me. So he understands that better. And, you know, before our, our marriage and all that, he always asked me, how come you're still working at 10 p.m., 11 p.m. answering calls? So I told him when a client has a concern, they somehow cannot wait till the next day, 9 a.m. to call you. They just need to get it off the chest. And um, as my role is, is I do understand when you have that question to ask, you just need to make a call and, and get the question off the chest. And, and that's what my job is, is to make sure my clients are assured 
and to make sure that, you know, to, to assure them that I'm here for them as well. So that call, it could take about five minutes, 10 minutes. Sometimes I can open my laptop. So he now understands uh, my role a bit more. Molly, if you have one question for Ian, what would it be? Ah, okay. I, I, for me, um, one of the questions I, I think it's most important is in, in any employment, you know, or uh, law, uh, is there anything that I should know of, you know, as a, a working couple in the same company, especially that you know, maybe you can share with me? Sure, Molly. And first of all, let me congratulate you on having a successful workplace relationship. You know, it's it's like the holy grail <laughs> to, to be able to have a successful work, workplace relationship and within a manager and subordinate uh, relationship as well. That's really quite remarkable. There aren't uh, any specific uh, laws that govern this area. There aren't any statutes, you know, uh, to do with workplace uh, relationships per se. Obviously, there's workplace harassment, but from everything you said just now, clearly neither you nor your husband are harassing each other, so there's no problems there. Um, it's If there is th- something to look out for, it's what you you sound like you're really well aware of, which is avoiding conflicts of interest. Um, I mean, from the fact that um, the, the two of you are in a relationship together now in your company uh, suggests to me that there isn't an express company policy on this, because if there was, you know, you should just make sure that you obey it to the letter, right? And um, you sound like you're already going the extra mile uh, to avoid even any uh, hint of conflict of interest, which I think is the correct approach, right? Because um, it's not just whether there is any actual conflict of interest arising, but whether any there's any suggestion of a conflict of interest, right? Because you always want to guard against uh, people having that impression, even if it's a wrong impression. Thank you, Yen, and thank you, Molly. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Work Talk, a podcast by The Straits Times. If you'd like to read the stories online or in print, they appear under the series Work Life, and there's a link in our podcast text description below. I'm Chris Wu. Until then, stay safe. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.